I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is Workwives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. I feel that my post-pregnancy relationship to my vagina has evolved. And I mean, I... As I've discussed on this podcast, I think, had a C-section. So it's not even like I had a vaginal moment to enjoy, per se. It's not like I can have the chat where it's like, that was some shit. Let's regroup. Yep. You know, like, I'm going to give you some time, and then I'll come back in about six to eight weeks, and then we'll talk. Yep. Like, that didn't even happen. Did being pregnant change your relationship with your vagina or any other part of your body? I mean, I think it definitely changes your relationship with your body overall because you sort of being I wasn't one of those women who had a hard pregnancy like I I, mean, I obviously had a baby at six months as opposed to nine months which is when you're supposed to have the baby but other than that like I didn't really get morning sickness like I liked the way my body felt while I was pregnant like everything was fine um but it's still sort of your experience to have mm. I actually think that it's motherhood that changed my relationship with my body more even than being pregnant like the experience of being pregnant feels like a thing that you're experiencing and you're like well I mean you like know where it's gonna go but it's still sort of like an adventure that you're on where it's like well I mean this just keeps happening let's see where this nets out but then the fallout is the being a mom and you're sort of grappling with the fallout at the same time that the sort of experience you were having with the person is now on the outside of your body, right? Mm. So it's now a thing that you have to manage every day. Obviously, your relationship with your vagina hasn't changed since you got pregnant, since you've been pregnant. I've never been, I haven't been but pregnant. Like, is your relationship with your vagina different now than it was, say, five years ago? Okay, I will say that one thing that is maybe different is, like, I feel like I still, inter- I think we still interact in possibly the same way maybe our conversations have become slightly more mature in that like just like little things like I don't fuck around with my pubic hair like I used to Mm. like that was a real game for me like playing with my pubes was like a real hilarious fun thing that I would do with my vagina and now she's like I found the like chic bob that works for me and I'm just gonna keep (laughs) just gonna stick with it just gonna stick with that aside from that sort of like playing with my pubes thing I don't think anything's really changed that much I feel like I haven't discovered a thing about my vagina Probably since my, maybe even my late teens. Like, what's the thing that you've learned about your, oh, well, I guess there are baby things and pregnancy things. Baby things and pregnancy things. Like, that that was a thing you learned. That is magical. But I haven't learned a thing. Like, think about, like, basically from, like, 10 all the way through to, like, 20. Like, a solid decade. Did you learn some of the fertility things? Yeah. No, that's. Just, like. The first, I mean, just the first time you touch it in different ways, the first time you masturbate and you have an orgasm and like, and then listening to other people talk about their vaginas, you just like are constantly learning about amazing things that your vagina can do. And, you know, somebody else touches it and you're like, whoa, I didn't ever had that (laughs) feeling before. Or you like find something that you really don't like doing or, you know, like the first time you decide, I don't know, like there's just a million things that I felt like I was constantly discovering about my vagina. And now it's just like... I mean, you're great. It's a long-term partnership. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, you're right. it's got you're its right. ebbs and flows, I'm sure. When do you think you first realized or understood that you had a vagina? I will tell you the first time I knew that I had more than just, like, the amorphous, like, patch that is referred to by some cute name. Like, in my house, it was called a peck-peck because it's, like, Filipino slang for a vagina. So for the longest time as a kid, I just – that whole area – front to back everything that fit into underpants yes was your peck peck and yes. your butt in the and diaper in the, yeah it just had no like 
I didn't know about specific holes and areas and late like there was nothing specific it was just the lump that was my peck peck yep but then I was in I was about 11 I was about 11 and um my mum was dating someone who would constantly say instead of like he's going to give her a a ring he would say well I'm going to give you I'll give you a tingle at like two o'clock and we'll you know and give you a tingle. Give you a tingle. And so he would leave and mum and I would like laugh hysterically because tingle was the Filipino word for clitoris. And I didn't know what a clitoris was, but we, I just knew it was like a rude word. And so <laughs> the fact that I had like a rude word joke with my mum and this idiot white guy kept on using this like Filipino word, Tagalog word, and we thought it was hilarious. And then one day I was like, wait, what is a clitoris though? I mean, I know it's hilarious, but like, what is it? And, and then she, she was, was like... like uh, uh, and then she like had to break down the vagina and I was like, holy shit, that whole thing is not just one thing. Yeah. Like, it's made up of other things inside a housing of things. Wow. And that's when I was like, I didn't obviously know it was, at that point I wasn't 100% sure it was sexual, I don't think. Like I didn't realize that separate areas had separate sort of stimulations and sensations. I was yeah. just like, it just blew my mind that I now realized not only was there a pee hole and like a baby hole. Yep. But that there was also this like magical like entity living under a hood just waiting to bring you joy. Well, I didn't know about the yep. joy part yet, but I just, yeah, discovered this extra piece of anatomy and it blew my fucking mind. Jeez. Yeah. It blew my mind at 11. How about you? I definitely had an experience, as I'm sure many people did, where you had like, you know, a close boy pal that you played with all the time and yeah. at some point skulked off to a bathroom and it was like, okay, this is what I'm working with. Oh, that's what you're – oh, that's different. Yeah. You know, that's not what I'm working with. Because other than that, like you just see – you don't you don't think of people in genders. I'm trying to think of when I discovered, frankly, the like baby hole portion of the program because I think I understood that there was sort of like a front part and a back part. Like that I understood. Oh, but, but I'm the trying pee to, part and the, the baby hole part. Yeah, like, I also didn't, to figure, like, I discovered the baby hole part before I discovered that the baby hole and the sex hole were the same thing. Like the sex hole came last in the equation. <laughs> it was like clitoris. Weirdly, I found out about the clitoris early by virtue of this story, which is great. And then actually pee hole, obviously. Yeah. So pee hole, then clitoris, then baby hole. Gap, 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 gap. <laughs> sex hole, sex hole. And I think maybe sex hole was from like friends from like some yeah. dickhead probably dickhead boy explaining it yeah like i don't think it was i don't think that i even the right appreciated channels. that the sex hole and the baby hole were one of the same no i don't think i did either you know what i mean but like, i also I'm don't think i thought there I was thought. a third hole third vagina i don't know that i thought there was a third vagina hole but you had like a butthole i knew there was a butthole but then and i you knew there was one hole back there i think i knew the whole time there was only one hole in the back of the bus right have you and more importantly, how have you explained the wonder of your vagina to a partner? Well, once you have a partner for a, a sexual partner for a long enough period of time, you get past a lot of the things that are sort of the like, oh, do you like this? Do you like that? Does this turn you on? Does this turn you on? And then you get into some mechanics that's like, how does this thing work? And the one that we had was tampons. Mm. Where it just was like, I realized that if you are a guy, you probably have never like taken out a like I mean you've probably like maybe taken out a tampon as a gag but you don't actually know how the thing works you're just kind of like they go into the bathroom and they do the thing and then they come out and I don't know what's happening (laughs) 
You know what I mean? But I was like, yeah, I, you like stick it up your cooch. Like, you know, and there's sometimes there's an applicator and sometimes and you could sort of watch <laughs> Joel kind of be like, whoa, just because it's yeah. not a thing. Did you put it in water to show him it? In, like, no, it I didn't expense? like oh, it. It wasn't really, like a show and tell. I mean, I just se. I think that that's kind of like an amazing part of it. It's uh, like, yeah, be it's, definitely. Yeah, definitely amazing. Um, but, but it was just one of those funny things that I was like, this is a thing that I use literally for a week out of every month of life. Yeah. And you have no idea. And you have no idea how it works or what's happening. It's just like, there's a thing, like he knows about periods, he knows about all that stuff, obviously. But tampons was just sort of one of those weird things. I have, I have one story also known as the, uh, the great Goldilocks finger banging of 1999. Oh no! In which, it's got a year and oh. a tagline. Um, and I feel like it's a conversation that either it, lots of, maybe many women have had either out loud to their partner or have certainly had in their head, where I think there is a, a time or maybe even a type of sexual partner that really, at least it's for me, it has been mostly with my, well, almost exclusively with my heterosexual partners where they try and emulate the in-and-out motion of the penis with a finger. Oh, no. So the conversation sort of went, like I managed to sort of like, at, not during sex because I couldn't, I don't know, it didn't work up the courage to do it then. So we did it some, at some ridiculous moment where we were probably having coffee and I'm like, oh, You're I got like, to tell you the jabbing. <laughs> the jabbing, the jabbing. don't do it. So then after we had the like too hot porridge, we went completely in the other direction where there was just this like, I don't know, search and rescue finger that was just like there. <laughs> oh, no. So now we have to have the conversation about totally get why that happened. I, I clearly put the, put some sort of fear in you that jabbing is no good. And now we've gone all the way to the other direction where we're just, you're just hanging out. But there needs to be, we need to find like the in-between and the motion. And then you do like the, then we got there with a little bit of the hand-holding. Oh, actual physical nice. hand-holding. Um, but that was the... That's like the one very specific time I remember of having to like explain the how that thing works and how it works differently to what you might do with other parts of your body. Well, and what's key here, I think, or but bears repeating, is the idea that just like straight jabbing a vagina is not <laughs> like <laughs> it bears repeating. You know what I mean? Like it's not the in and out motion that does it. That does it. There's That's like, not the thing. There's the thing inside that needs yep. contact. Yep. Yep. It's an adventure playland with lots of different options to explore. And combinations yeah, of and options combinations. that work together. And sometimes the same combination on the same person doesn't work. At the all same, like, with another person. Or sometimes like on you, like on a different day, sometimes I'm more inside than outside. Some days I'm more outside than inside. I don't know. Yeah. I do know that jabbing doesn't work. Yep. And joining us to talk more about our wondrous jungle gyms is Kendall McKenzie from Plant Parenthood. Plant. From Plant <laughs> From Planned Parenthood. It just sounds so, it sounds like plant when I say it. Um, so today we are talking about vaginas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we are joined by Kendall McKenzie from Planned Parenthood. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming to hang out with us. You're so welcome. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Um, so I am a writer and an editor at Planned Parenthood Federation of America on the digital health team, which basically means that I write and edit for PlannedParenthood.org and our various social media properties. You can check us out on Instagram, Planned Parenthood, Twitter, PPFA, Tumblr, Planned Parenthood, and Facebook, Planned Parenthood. Awesome. Well, yeah. my body and vagina, thank you very much. You're welcome. I feel we should state at the outset that certainly in our offices at Glamour, 
vagina is a subject that comes up often. I would mm. say I would agree with you, and you know, ancillary. Me topics. too. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> we bet in this. Bet. You know, in, in this category, we yes. our offices may be quite similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel I should just say that because it's a podcast called Work Wives. It's important to note that we talk about this stuff all the time. At, um, what, at our place of work. At our place of work. Uh, we write about it quite often. Um, but I will say that we are sometimes maybe not using the correct terminology. I mean, we check things out professionally. My Obviously, God. things that publish on the website are true. But like when we're chatting away about our vaginas, yeah, we might be getting things wrong. I feel we should start with something that, Kendall, you've already brought up. And I will say something that our executive editor at Glamour takes oh, issue yeah. with quite often, which is the distinction between vagina and vulva. And in fact, I use it interchangeably, which is incorrect. Yes. You you want to sit us straight on that? True. It is incorrect. (sighs) (laughs) However, this is super common. We get this question all the time. We have this this discussion all the time. It's really uh, very common for these to be used interchangeably. So some definitions to start. The vulva is basically everything on the outside that you can see. It's the lips. It's the pubic hair area, it's the clitoris, it's the urethral opening. The it's, clitoris is part of the vulva? Absolutely. Every, the, Fuck. Whole, the whole outside shebang. And, um, wow. Yeah, the urethral opening, the vaginal opening, um, the area around the va- vagina, the vaginal opening is called the vestibule, which I always love saying because oh, it reminds me of that good. Friends vestibule. episode where he gets stuck in the ATM vestibule. <laughs> So, right? <laughs> now I'm just going to be thinking about how I would decorate my vestibule. It's also where, you know, a lot of our pleasure centers are. The clitoris, the labia uh, tends to have more nerves and other parts of the vagina. Now the vagina is the inside part. The tube literally just from the opening to the cervix and the uterus. It's just that one part. Just the tube. Just the tube. Just the tube, From guys. the vulva let's, to let's the Let's not cervix. turn that into a catchphrase. <laughs> I'm not going to turn just the tube. I'm Vagina, just saying. Just the tube. Right. I'm just saying. It's, yeah, it's it shocking to know that I'm getting that much wrong. It's also shocking to know that I've been using a term that really refers to a tiny piece of real estate compared to... Well, not tiny, mm-hmm. but, you know, a small piece of real estate compared to all the fun all the stuff other bits. happening outside. But, again, this is really common. I think in our culture, we tend to kind of do this. Yeah. We tend to kind of just refer to everything downstairs as the vagina. Um there's a, like a feminist theory how that kind of came to be, which Please is share. Really interesting. So again, like I said, the vulva contains most of the parts that um, are really our pleasure centers when it comes to sex and masturbation and all those things. The clitoris, the labia, all the parts that are really the most sensitive. Even the vagina, you know, there's more nerve endings towards the front part, towards the opening than there, than there are towards, you know, in the, the deeper end. And so, you know, feminists, some feminists, tend to think it's not exactly a coincidence in our patriarchal and heteronormative culture that our, you know, the most popular common term for our genitals erases what gives us the most pleasure and centers what gives, you know, presumably a male partner with a penis the most pleasure, which would be the vagina. So we are actually vulvangelists. I don't even... (laughs) I'm literally stunned silent. Is there a term for the vulva and the vagina together as best friends? No. They that's don't a have great a, question. They need a group like now. They need like a package I deal. mean like you're down there? Like, like, I don't work know. Work wives. They're work wives. <laughs> okay, not everything is work wives. Okay. But that's a good point, right? Just because they're next to each other, they're not the same thing. You wouldn't call true. someone's penis their balls. And if you did, they'd be very confused. But that is so true. So why do we accept that when, you the know, two different uh, bits. Other, other people, you yeah. know, well. Now, the, pl- the Planned Parenthood philosophy on this is just that. 
we use the most accurate terms. So we're going to say vulva when we mean vulva. We're going to say vagina when we mean vagina. Straight up, you know, it's it's really all about being as medically accurate and factual as possible. I have I'm taking the solemn oath as of this moment to distinguish my vulva and my vagina. I will also. Yeah. That's going to be hard though. That's yeah, going to be real hard, but I'm gonna, I'm going to do it. I'm so glad. So to that end, do I feel like you have a vulva quiz for us, Poss- possibly a vulva and vagina quiz for us, right? Exactly. Yes. yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Because we'll talk about everything. They are buddies. They, that, that's part of the okay. package. We do have to establish from the outset that Laurel Pinson, my work wife, is competitive. So she is probably going to want to know if we are competing in this quiz or if we are a team. I hadn't even thought of like a point system or anything. Let's be a team just because. Stop it. I'd you like really to want to? I'd like to be a team. You can be the vulva. I'll be the vagina. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a lot to put on me. Okay, I feel, that's true. I feel, that's true. I feel we should at least divvy up okay, some we'll of the good it. stuff. <laughs> we'll divvy it. All right, are we ready? I'm, I'm like ready. Schwitzing. I've got like pressure on me. Like I don't want to be. Well, I don't want to be yeah. wrong. I'm really schwitzing. Especially when we were already wrong about the vulva vagina thing. So, what purpose does the clitoris serve? A to help with reproduction. Oh, thank goodness it's multiple choice. B to give you sexual pleasure. C, all of the above. Oh sh! I'm gonna go with Samesies. B. B. It's for a good time. Very good. Yes. Oh, oh my God. God. That was... <laughs> thank God this you is not visual because we just God, this missed that high five. Not a video. <laughs> so the clitoris literally only exists to make sex and masturbation and all that stuff feel good. It's yeah. the only organ on the human body, on everyone's body, that has this purpose. There's no other part like this on anyone's body. Oh, um, very so special. That's pretty cool. Pretty that special. Pretty cool. That is really yeah. special. Just live your life like a clitoris. Tell you what, and she is good at that job. Yeah. She's really good at that job. She's like the CEO of that job. It's true. All righty. Number two. How big is the average clitoris? Oh, no oh this is choice. a multiple choice. No. Like, <laughs> hey. Uh, we're it? just looking for a rough <laughs> estimate here. <laughs> Smaller well, than a bread box. <laughs> Small, larger than a poppy seed. Larger than a poppy seed, yeah. Like a pea. Like about a the size of a pea? sesame seed. Ooh, interesting. I don't know. Well, I don't know how we got stuck on seeds. I also don't know how you got so much smaller than I did. I don't know. Well, I guess well, maybe we'll try how... different. I think a pea, she thinks. A... I don't think a sesame seed. It's bigger than a, a bit's bigger seed. than a sesame seed, boo. A pea? You think a pea is too big? I don't know. Let's I think a green it. pea. Either a green, a green pea. pea or a chickpea. Ooh. You think that's massive? I don't know. We're going to We're going to find out. But like a green pea? Okay, I love this because it just emphasizes that everyone... First of all, this was a trick question. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but it, it, a great discussion came out of it. It just goes to show that everyone's bodies are a little bit different, which is why it's so hard for us to kind of figure oh, out. Oh, hey, right? I learned a thing what, about you. Um, I learned a thing about you, Sesame. <laughs> but you're right. The P is actually the common, you know, oh, a clitoris is the size of a P. It's actually much bigger than that oh. because... The parts that you can see are there's there's parts that you can't see basically that it's are like inside an iceberg. your iceberg. Yes, that t- Tori Amos yes. was right. <laughs> so the glands part it can be the size of a pea, it can be a, the size of a lima, you know, it, it can vary in size. But the clitoris actually extends deep in your body. Um, it has a shaft. It has legs that kind of surround legs. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like it looks like a little wishbone. You can if you Google internal clitoris, you can see pictures of this. <laughs> True or false? This is a little easier. Vulvas and vaginas have erectile tissue just like penises do. I want to say true because it seems like it's like a weird question and therefore must be true. (laughs) I also feel like 
things there's a there's contraction things, and things in, in gorge i hate that word yeah that's what i mean like there's like get, a, they change yeah so we're gonna say true let's go with true we're going with true true yes, yes. yes. very oh, good <laughs> so yeah the you know the glands on the outside <laughs> you or me the high fiving is we're really bad we're at just it. not gonna do it we're gonna okay okay sorry each give each other snaps yes. <laughs> yeah yeah, so the glands on the outside is made of erectile tissue that gets bigger and more engorged, sorry, when you get turned on. And, and you know, people have observed this. But also, you know, the parts on the inside that I showed you, the, the shaft and the, the legs and all that, also are made of uh, really similar tissue to the penis that engorge when you get turned on. Wow. Wow. So we get erections, too. Weird. Yeah. Ladybird is a real, mm-hmm. It's a real it. thing. Basically, we all kind of start out the same uh, in utero, mm. um, everyone starts out with basically what looks like a vulva. And then somewhere, you know, between like week four. So uh, around week four of gestational age, um, something called the genital tubercle. Wow. I hope I'm pronouncing that some, correctly. You got some good terms for us today, Kendall. Starts to develop. And then it eventually becomes either the, the clitoral glands, the head of the clitoris, or the head of the penis. And what um, our gonads become either ovaries or testicles and Basically, the tissue that's labia become the scrotum, which is why there's a seam on the scrotum this because is that like, area. I so we have could very see the hand movement you were doing. It's like this <laughs> cupping yeah. round, it's true. The, the, you like know, the caressing of two enormous balls, which mm-hmm. I was really enjoying. So yeah, we. I mean, that that's the reason we have a lot of analogous tissue in our bodies is that we all kind of have. This is awesome. Yeah. See, we're similarly. not that different. All right, next one. Yes. Oh, we're ready. Okay. So, what does the G and G spot? Stand for good spot. Oh my I God, love that. I'm so embarrassed that I don't know this. I should know this. It's a hard one. I'm not going to guess it. I no. don't know why I'm like. No. I'm going to. It's not going to. I think to good me. spot is. Solid. We're going to try for good spot. I love good for spot. good. I want to rename it that. Yeah, but that's the not good right. Spot. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. We figured. Yeah. We figured. So it actually, and you, there's really, it's you're excused for not knowing this. Okay, <laughs> so it stands for Graffenberg, as in. Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, who Name is... Name for a dude. Yeah, well, well... but, you know... But good for him. But good, good for him. him. Yeah, no, he was, he was doing some good research. At least we know yeah. that one He's on the right team. It, right? So he was the... He kind of first wrote about, you know, an erotic zone on the wall of the vagina, you know, in the, in the 40s, 50s. And then in the 80s, these sexologists named Beverly Whipple and John Perry... Beverly coined, Whipple! They did more research on, on the G-spot and named it after the guy who had kind of started... Okay. Kicked off the train, you know? So he didn't discover it and name it after himself... Which was kind of what I always thought, and I was like, "How dare he?" But oh, then that's, that's not classy. Especially yeah, if, Beverly, if Beverly Whipple decided that she wanted to pay homage, I feel good about that. Yeah, although it not being the Whipple spot seems <laughs> like a crime. That's that's also true. <laughs> and I do kind of want to dispel some, you know, rumors about the G spot that it's oh, not yeah. it's not like a magic button that you push and an orgasm comes out. Oh, There's please this dispel this rumor. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's not true. You know, some people can have orgasm through vaginal penetration and you know the theory is maybe they're hitting this kind of area but not everyone can have orgasms that way most people really do need clitoral stimulation to have orgasms that's very normal Mm -hmm. either is normal honestly um and it's you know they're still doing a lot of research on it they still don't really kind of know exactly what it is there's some theories that you're actually feeling tissue through the vaginal wall that it's not really a spot on the vagina itself but it's you're you're feeling like erectile tissue 
through the vaginal wall huh. that surrounds the urethra. Um, and a lot of people can't really feel it or notice anything or don't even like the way it feels being touched unless they're actually turned on because it also kind of tends to engorge a little bit when yeah. you're turned on. So for a long time, you know, doctors were like, well, this doesn't exist because I can't see it. Well, that's because most people aren't super turned on when they're <laughs> like in the stirrups with the speculum in there, you know. So yeah. the a lot of research is still, you know, kind of being... Actually, that's a lie. Not a lot of research, I think, is being done on it, but... Not enough Not research. enough, exactly. Well, this it's, is... Consider this a call to arms. We need some, like... <laughs> we need more Beverly Whipples on it. Yeah. But if, if someone is interested in finding it, usually, you know, the way people find it is it's one or two inches on the front wall, kind of towards the belly button. Uh, the come-hither motion is mm. the one that people say that is a really to... good turn of phrase right could yeah. have used that when i was 19 i know the way yeah. that you're trying to explain it is always just less articulate in the yeah, moment we're we're like, come, not that's like that great, but, but yeah, more like a helps. like a i don't know like a cat like you know come yeah. hither is much it's more not clear. a doorbell is usually what i no <laughs> not a doorbell and it can feel a little ridged. Like, there's sometimes a slight difference in texture. It can feel a little ridgy, almost like the, the roof of your mouth. But again, everyone's body is different. Not everyone's going to have this or have these, you know, reactions. But in general, that's kind of good to know. Good to know. The down low on I'm learning on a lot. The good spot. I know. And we talk a lot about this, so I'm sort of shocked how much I still need to learn. Same. True or false, when you go to the gyno for your annual exam, you have to specifically ask for an STD test if you want one. Yes. I mean, true in my experience. Yes, in my experience. Yes. Okay, phew. True. 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 A lot of people think that when you go to the gynecologist and you get your pelvic exam or you get your pap smear that you're just automatically being tested for STDs, which is not true. STDs have their different have different tests, um, and yeah, you usually have to ask sp- specifically if you want to be tested for certain STDs. Now, sometimes your doctor will kind of you know already ask about your medical history and and you know like okay, we should test you for X, Y, and Z, but you really shouldn't assume when you're going in for your pelvic or your annual or a Pap smear that you're being tested for all these other STDs. So if if somebody wants to have an STD exam or an STI exam, what do they ask for? That's a great question. I mean, I, I would just probably say to your doctor, you know, hey, I want to be tested for, for STDs. Um, and then, you know, they might ask, like, okay, well, what kinds of sex are you having? When was the last time you were tested? Are you having any symptoms? And, like, they, they'll, you know, the, your doctor will kind of help you figure out what tests make the most sense for you. Sometimes they can do the tests already when they're down there doing a pap smear. They'll just do another swab. Sometimes it's a blood test. Sometimes not. You know, it really just depends. There's many different STDs and things like that. In general, gonorrhea and chlamydia are the ones that they tend to give sexually active young people. Um, but again, it's always good to ask and double check. Um, that's, that's really good advice. Mean, because good, I feel yeah. like you do just assume. Right. Sort of like, well, I'm here for the for the works. Right. Give me the works. Yeah. And so you're just like, well, the, surely the works means that too. It's not mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Good too. And that's also why it's really important to be honest with your doctor about your activities. They're really not there to judge you. And if you do feel like they're going to judge you, go to a Planned Parenthood or someplace that specializes in not being judgmental. Because exactly. that's kind of our thing. So, Okay. How often should sexually active people get tested for STDs? I want to say annually. I was going to go six months. I was going to say annually, and then obviously anytime you've had unprotected sex, which you shouldn't be doing unless you obviously yeah. have been yeah. tested. So, so yeah. So, so maybe maybe so our maybe, answers differ. Do you want to say okay? Well, let's see. 
This was also kind of a trick question. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're actually, you're in the ballpark. You're about right. right. It, it varies. It really does vary according to, you know, person to person, your risk factors, your age range even, and, you know, basically what you do. So usually they recommend sexually active women under 25, gonorrhea and chlamydia every year. If you're feeling symptoms, obviously go in immediately. If your partner has an STD or, you know, go in immediately. If you have any reason to suspect that you've been exposed, go in and get tested. Question. Should lesbians also get tested? Absolutely. Anyone who has sex should get tested. And not just, you know, penetrative sex. Any kind of sex where fluid is mixing, skin-to-skin, genital, mouth contact, you know, you can contract STDs all kind of ways. So it's it's good to get tested. And, you know, and furthermore, it's not just about STD testing. You should be going to the doctor. You should be getting your pelvic exams. Um, in general, lesbians tend to have higher rates of... Uh, you know, cervical cancer because they tend to not go to the doctor as much because they think they wow. don't have to get tested for STDs as often because they tend to be at a lower risk for STDs. Like the, the type of sex that lesbians have tends to be less risky than the type of sex that other people have. But it doesn't mean they can't get STDs and it doesn't mean that they don't need pap smears and that they don't need, um, you know, regular pelvic exams and regular exams from their doctor. Okay, so, good to know. Very yeah, good to know. All the work wives out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in HPV, you know, the, the, the HPV, the STD that can lead to cervical changes that can lead to cancer, you know, can be spread through skin-to-skin contact. You don't have to have penetrative sex to get HPV. And so it's also good know, to know. Yeah, yeah, one of those reasons. And, you know, same thing with lots of, again, you don't have to have any kind of penetrative sex to mix fluids. You know, if you're using sex toys or fingers and touching all kinds of different things on different people's bodies, you can mix fluids that way and you can mm-hmm. spread STDs that way, which is why, you know, we recommend using condoms on dildos and sex toys or using dental dams and X, Y, and Z. Next. Next. True or false, you can use an IUD as emergency contraception. How? That sounds like how? Like you would just put it in there on your own? Like real fast on your own. First of all, no, obviously. (laughs) But second of all... Like, not in no. an emergency. Emergency is just, even I tend not to be really an emer- Even if it was just a casual know? day, I don't think you could stick an IUD. No. That them. seems like a really, like, a pre-planned. Yeah. We say no. Okay, interesting. So I can see that there's, like, some logistical issues around, oh, right, like, yes. just getting the IUD. That is true. You do need a doctor to insert it. You need to be able to find a doctor who can put it in, which means you have to get an appointment. And sometimes we know that can be hard to do on an emergency basis. But the copper IUD does work as emergency contraception. If you get it put in up to five days what? after unprotected sex. What? Yes. This it's true. Okay. So if you're able to get an appointment, yep. if you've been thinking about getting an IUD anyway and, you know, you kind of want this as birth control, it's a great it's a great way to go. It's the most effective form of emergency contraception. You know, the other form is, is the morning after pill. Yeah. Um, but the IUD is, you know, a lot more effective. It's over 99% effective when used as emergency contraception and when used as birth control. Specifically the copper IUD, not... A hormonal IUD, right? Right okay. now, it's specifically the copper. They are testing the hormonal IUDs to see if they can be used as emergency contraception, but they haven't been approved okay, for cool. use that way yet. It's emergency contraception that's also a bit more permanent, let's say, yes. as a contraception oh, yes. method. Yes. It's yes. not like a then you decide maybe a week later that you would want like to get pregnant. Like you could, I mean, you could. You can anytime you get an IUD taken out, you can get pregnant almost immediately after. So I'm only saying because you know, for most of the people that I know who've gotten an IUD, you're usually thinking about getting an IUD mm-hmm. because you'd like to sort of have that as a contraception method for more than say six months. Right. I would say that. I mean, but also, you know, if you've had unprotected sex and you really, really, really don't want to get pregnant and you want the most effective method you can get. 
Oh, you, you know, maybe you get that and get it. To, you know, if you get it taken out a month later, it's not going to, you know, totally be a problem. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, for the and most for me, part, it's just the inconvenience of making the appointment. Of course. Or not. That's all. How long does a cup of IUD last for? 12 years. Shit. Yeah. Up to yeah. 12 years. Yeah. And you can get it taken out whenever you want and you can get pregnant. So a lot of times people hear and they're like, I don't want birth control for 12 years. That's fine. You don't have yeah. to keep it in for 12 years. Take it out. Yeah. And I mean, that's the reason that IUDs are the most effective form of reversible contraception that you can get is because yep. there's really no way to fuck it up. Alrighty, how many nerve endings oh does Lord. the clitoris have? Tell me this is This multiple is multiple choice. choice. Okay. <laughs> 8,000? I'm not that mean. 500, 3,000, 6,000, or 8,000? I'm going at the tippy top. Same. 8,000. I was going to go like 12 million. Sort of That's like. ambitious. But it didn't top out there. So but it didn't top out there, so I'm going to go 8,000. Well, I'm I heard you say 8,000 before I even. Yeah. And you're right. What? Nicely done. Where did you pull that stat out of? I, would just, I just guessed. Even I, I had to look that up. Did you not know this about <laughs> me? I mean, that's for, I'm like, yeah. tw- 12 million. Yeah. Right. Bonus cool. follow up. Oh, yeah. bonus. How many does the penis have? Four. Yeah. Four, four thousand. Well, yeah. four thousand. Just four. How do you know both of these statistics? Told you I'm clean psychic. And not dick psychic at all. That was just a guess. That was crazy, though. Half as many. I have one more. Oh, I want there to be ten more. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I mean, you already did so much preparation. True or false, you can't get a period when pregnant. False. I'm going to say false, too, because I don't know. And I trust Laurel because she's being pregnant. It's true. Oh. You cannot actually get a period. Now, this gets confusing for people because a lot of because people you have... can si- bleed, bleed while you're pregnant. Right. Because yeah. I've uh, definitely had people who get like a monthly... Like where it would be your monthly cycle and or around the time mm-hmm. of and you get confused because you do have some bleeding. Yeah. But it's not as heavy bleeding as what you would normally get. It's a okay. difference of terminology. Like your period is... Contr- it's a cycle that is yes. controlled by hormones that stops when you are pregnant. You can still bleed, and some people, you know, that does happen, and especially if someone's, you know, normally has a lighter period, and they don't, you know, tend to yes. bleed that much, and then they just kind of have spotting throughout their pregnancy. It can kind of seem like their period, which is why you get people that are like, I had no idea I was pregnant. I've had my period for a couple months. It wasn't actually a period, but... Tricky. It is tricky. But, I mean, the bottom line is the most common sign of pregnancy is a missed period. If you miss your period, take a pregnancy test. The pregnancy test says you're pregnant. <laughs> Even if you and are if you're just having light yeah. spotting, know that that is probably not your real deal. Period. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, all. I mean. Exactly. If you don't, you don't know, know, take the test. test. If you don't know, take the test. We should have kept school, but I feel like we kind of got more right than we did wrong. Right? That's true. Everyone's nodding at us. Well, so and of course, the only, the only one that we got wrong was the one I was like, I got this, <laughs> guys. Had the spotting. Know the answer. False. Should have cut ties with you. So I think it's important to note here that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about obviously requires that you have a pretty open relationship with your doctor. And I really like that you stress that, you know, women need to be open and honest with their doctors because I think, you know, you have a tendency to sort of, I don't know why I get performance anxiety with my own doctor where I'll be like, no, I don't, don't do that except for that one time. And it was last week. So yeah, an STD test would be great. 
Um, but, you know, if, if you're looking for a non-judgmental doctor, you know, what's a good place for women to start? I mean, I always recommend Planned Parenthood. Again, our our whole shtick is being non-judgmental. And, you know, your doctor, most doctors, but especially the doctors of Planned Parenthood and, you know, gynecologists in general have really seen it all. So there is no need to be embarrassed. I understand. I mean, I'm a sex educator and I still get the willies when I have to, like, ask about certain things at my gynecologist. But... Um, it, it's really important for your health. So if you're looking for, uh, you know, a doctor from Planned Parenthood, you just go to PlannedParenthood.org. There's a Find a Health Center part of our site where you can put in your zip code, find the closest Planned Parenthood to you. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a safe space to go and ask any question that you need, get any kind of service that you need with a lot of, a lot of care and non-judgment. <laughs> Excellent. Kendall mentioned on her way out, and I saw you frantically looking it up, that Planned Parenthood has an app for your period. It's called Spot On. And I have to tell you, I've already downloaded it, already marked the first day of my last period, which, P.S., was Tuesday. Because, so I have been really obsessively using period tracker apps. I just find them really interesting. Um, And I have to tell you that the vast majority of period apps are very sort of hearts and flowers and pink colored which you know not so great but are still a way to measure your period which is I cool mean, yeah but come on but this one is really gender neutral yes which is very nice so i was excited about it um and kendall did mention that um, there was a dinosaur called cyclosaurus i mean <laughs> i have not yet gotten to the dinosaur but i have to tell you that was pretty much the reason i downloaded it immediately selling boy show me the dinosaur I have to say this whole conversation has been inspiring me to make a personal pledge to go get my pelvic exam, Mm. which I really haven't done in a bit. If you do that, I will buy you a bottle of wine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how invested I am in your pelvic health. Deal. Work Wives is produced by Ben Riskin and Acast. Our associate producer, Katiri Benjamin, keeps the ship afloat. And we have production support from the whole staff at Glamour, including Anna Maysline, Lizzie Logan, and Simone Kitchens. And we're recorded right here at Condé Nast Studio in NYC. Hold up. 